people have opinions without being fully informed. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. I don't care if you're a Christian, Messianic, or Hebrew roots. I want to know if your theology is biblical. Maybe I'm right. Of course I'm right. If you're going to cite a source, be responsible. You know, cite your source. You're welcome to college. Hey, we're just having a conversation. There's only 36 people listening anyway, right? You can Google it. Wow, at what point does history matter? At what point does truth matter? An alien invasion. Is it biblical? Of course it is. Look, there's a way to do scholarship and a way not to do scholarship. you got to cite your source. Who's your source? My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows his kid is going with the girl. And that about sums it up. What up? And shalom. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Haig. With me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? It's going well. Um, my stream health apparently is not good on YouTube, so I don't, I don't even know how to fix that. I don't even know what that means. Um, yeah, so I, th- this is just a humorous thing. Let me turn my sound down here just a little bit. Um, this is just a humorous thing. Uh, someone saw our, our, <laughs> our website, our page on Tor Resource and uh, was like, uh, you guys have a typo. Theology matters is twice. <laughs> oh, so like they, they thought it was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, I was like, well, you obviously don't listen to the show then. Thank you though. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, uh, by the way, I, you know, I'm doing a lot of extra, like, let me turn this down a little bit more. I'm doing a lot of extra, uh, uh, pr- production here this morning because, uh, when I got back to the office after camp, which we'll talk about here in a few seconds for everybody. Uh, but when, when we got back from camp, for some reason, it's the sound elves. I, I call them the sound elves. You know, this happens at our shul too, too. You'll go into the shul and no one will touch anything the whole week. And you'll turn on the soundboard and all of a sudden you can't hear half the stuff in the monitors. You know, uh, the, the singers are too loud out front. It's like, it, and everybody always blames it on the kids. Oh, the kids must have come in and, and messed with stuff. Nope. Sound elves. Same thing happens at my desk. However, I will say this. I am quite aware that someone was sitting at my desk. Two people actually were sitting at my desk uh, without my knowledge until I saw yours on, uh, on Twitter. That was, that was very nice. Rob, you saw evidence. I saw evidence. Um, and, uh, so that, that was nice to see. Uh, and then of course I, I got back from camp. I thought it was you. Somebody left me this gem. And you know it was not me. I know it was not you. Do you know who it was? Uh, I, I do. I think I do. So oh, this solved. this is the book that was left on my desk, Israel First. Um, and the subtitle is The Key to Understanding. Now, first of all, the first word, the key, second word, whatever you want to say, the key. Th- this is very good uh, in terms of marketing. The key to understanding the blood moons, another key, key word here, the Shemitah. Promises to Israel and the coming jubilee. So you have you have four good keywords, whoa, four good keywords here that uh, are going to uh, that are going to sell real well. Uh, that is key, blood moon, shemitah, and jubilee. And then of course uh, the forward is the word like uh, the Jewish Jesus or anything like that on there. Uh, no, no. 
but uh, the Hold it uh, up one more time. The four the foreword is by Mark Bilt, so that's another good selling point. Oh, sorry, Israel first. Israel first, and look, there's a puzzle. It's a puzzle being put together. So I mean, what what year was that? Uh, you know, I don't know, but the, uh, let's see here. Hang on, Root Source Press, um, and it looks like it was put out. 2015. Uh, it's all in color, color pictures. I mean, to be honest with you, this is not a cheap book to print. You say a lot of money's gone into this. You know? um, I I think I think our good friend Lois left it on my desk. You're right. Uh, See, I knew that. She she told me, but I I wasn't allowed to tell. So you had to you had to figure it out yourself. I, I had to figure it out. So Lois also, by the way, oh, I, Lois, I didn't realize this until my mother told me uh, after we got back from camp. Lois was at camp uh, with us, which once again we'll talk about in a few seconds. Um, she, did you realize she has fourteen children? Yep, I had no clue. I had no clue. Okay. Um, the other thing is, uh, this is another thing that we are. Rob could be bumped up a little bit. Thank you very much Check for testing. One, just say, two, I got you. I got you here, Rob. Let's bump you. Go ahead. Say something. Something. There we Check go. Check something. Now, uh, chat room. Tell me if he is. Uh, is he? If he's too loud now. Um, anyway, uh, this is another thing we're we're trying out. Is that I got this here. Uh, now, Rob, you're not going to be able to see this, but I got this here uh, new Twitter thing. Um, that will be seen now, should be seen on my screen. And uh, if you use the hashtag RC show, then I can pull it up on my screen. That's pretty cool, eh? That's very cool. Maybe not. I don't, I'm getting real into Twitter. Can I tell I you say, why? Can I tell okay, you why ahead. I'm getting into Twitter? Please do. There's this Twitter account, and I, fo- I just started following them. They started on September 1st as if it's 1939. And they're live tweeting for six years, World War II, live tweeting with quote marks. It's really cool. So I'm learning all sorts of new things about World War II and how like the whole invasion into Poland happened. And this is the cool thing is that when like he'll say the, 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 the person on Twitter will post like, uh, you know, the U.S. president has made an address to America. And then he'll have a link to like the actual speech that was given, and it's all done as if it's in real time, right? So, you know, and so then you can so go. That listen. guy's done his homework. He's done his history, like serious. Yeah, I'm not positive. I'm not positive, but I think it might be a uh, a society. A society. A society. A society. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or they could have actually uh, created like a time space warp porthole thing so they like go back and forth between it could be actual live broadcast from the late 30s okay yeah did you know that there's actually i'm sorry i'm i'm off in my own i'm in my own little world here okay well i i emailed you an article that your dad wrote oh okay to read or not to read yeah and page 29, which is the last page of the PDF. What uh, email did you send it to? My, uh, chag at torresource.com. Okay. Or as li- I like to think of it, chag. Yes. 
your dad's thing. Actually, I, I I just realized this one. My wife brought up it, my dad's email address. Oh, I'm sorry, we're t- we're totally off in the weeds. Is here, the but, egg? No, yeah, the e e, the double e, or the t- the g g, the g g. That's what it is. The oh, double g, the g g. You're the you're chud g g. Okay. Chet. Anyway, I I, I don't even know what che we're talking Guevara, about at this point. Oh, Che Guevara, you you're C H E G. Let me get back to let's get to our show notes. Oh yeah, that's right. We have sponsors this uh, this week. This week we're uh, this is show. You can tell that we've been on vacation. We're totally discombobulated. Um, vacation. Well, yeah, it was not a vacation. My knees still are sore. We'll talk about that in a few seconds too. Okay, um, this show show one eighty six. That's right. We've done a hundred. This will be the hundred and eighty sixth show we've done. Is brought to you by Tor Resource. Torresource.com. Go to torresource.com and find all sorts of great resources. And this is the cool thing. Um, we're in discussion right now about how we're going to stream video. If you're a library member, which is $100 a year, uh, you get all of the audio that we provide, all of the digital books we provide, and pretty soon you will have all, uh, a significant portion of the videos that we stream or that we have as well. We're going to stream them live on our, or we're going to stream them on our website. Um, so that's very cool. Uh, you should, if you haven't already, please think about getting a library membership. The, uh, the information it's, it is truly a, a wealth of information there, but even if you don't want to spend the hundred bucks, there's plenty of, uh, free stuff to check out there, like, uh, free articles. And, uh, there's a whole section on the Parashah. My father has, uh, done notes on every single one of the Parashahs. So you can basically read his notes for free on Torah resource. Okay. Also. Uh, show 186 is brought to you by MessianicRadio.com. That's right, Chava Messianic Radio. Our friends over at Chava Messianic Radio have sponsored the Robin Caleb Show once again. And uh, it's music for Yeshua's disciples. You know, honestly, uh, you know, Tor Resource Radio is moving to an all-music-based format. And so when, uh, when Judah contacted me again and said, hey, I'd like to sponsor the Robin Caleb Show, I had to think about it for a few minutes, like, is it a conflict or not? But here's the thing, is that honestly, I don't think it is. And the reason why is because it's kind of a different format of, it's like on-demand music as opposed to streaming music. Like Torah Resource Radio streaming music, Chava Messianic Radio is like music on demand. And it really is a cool website. And Judah has really done some very, very uh, interesting things with his coding that is just amazing. And if you don't know anything about that, just go and enjoy the ability to like and play whatever you want when it comes to the Messianic realm uh, on Chava Messianic Radio. That's MessianicRadio.com. And then, yeah, finally, and definitely not, not, you know, not least among them is uh, YeshuaShirts.com. Yeshua Shirts, start a conversation today. Check this out. Uh, the people at Yeshua Shirts were the fine people, uh, stayed not only at my house, some of them stayed at my house right before camp, but also, uh, came to camp and they gave me this here lovely hat, which I've been sporting. Yes. It doesn't really fit over my, but yeah, uh, very cool. So, uh, yeah, Yeshua Shirts and check this. It's raised. It's like, oh, it's very nice. It's very nice. So. I look like the Yeshua mobile now when I pull up in my car. I got. You need a, a mini, a mini Yeshua hat like that for Spurgeon. Spurgeon needs a needs to be sport your bobblehead. So we need a special. That is a great idea. Tiny Yeshua shirts hat for old Chucky. Yes. Um, Can I when call I when, Chucky? Chucky, when I when I pull up in my car, I got a Yeshua. I got a Yeshua sticker in the back. 
Okay. And then I, I, I can see it like slow-mo with like music as I get out of the car, you know, <laughs> you know, I got the Yeshua shirts hat on. I got the sweatshirt Yeshua shirts, even though it's like a hundred degrees out right now with smoke all around. Dude, ash has been falling from the sky anyway. And then I got a Yeshua shirt on. It's like Yeshua all around. Boom. Ask me. Let's start a conversation. Yes. Okay. Um, anyway. Okay. Let's get to hey, it. We've- just, okay. You said show 186. I, I pulled up just a little calendar of 2017. Yes. It, I think it's looking like our 200th show might be during Hanukkah. Now, I know that cool. we're going to, Lord willing, we'll be at SBL, and that might bump a week. But still, it looks like either the 13th or 20th of December would be our 200th show. And yes. both of those are in, like, Hanukkah's, like, right there. begins and ends right there. So, maybe, uh, I don't know, is there some secret... Ta, uh, let me see. What letter is it? Now, can, now, can I tell you? We're halfway to the letter Tav, which I, is 400. Here's the thing is that we might have to bump it even more because I'll be gone from the 5th to the 12th. Oh, okay. Of anyway, December? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. The, yeah. The, the chat room has a very good idea. Uh, our, our, one of our chat room administrators, we have several in there, but uh, one of our chat room administrators under the Torah Resource logo has uh, asked what city people are in. It's always nice when that happens. I like to see where people are hailing from. Okay. Should we get to it? Let's talk about camp. Sure. Let's, let's talk about camp. I, the first thing that I want to mention is that I must be a real jerk on this show. And the reason why is I think I had three people say, you know, things to the effect of, wow, you're really nice in person. Or, see, honey, I told you that he would be a softy in, in real life. See, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, am I just, do I come across intimidating on the show? I, I don't know. Anyway, um, I, that's not my intention. That's certainly not my intention. Uh, so we had some great, great interaction with people at, at, uh, camp. It was one of the largest, uh, groups we've had at camp in the years that we've been there. Um, and, and let me dispel a, a, uh, a notion that people have. When we say camp, we don't mean intense. We're not sleeping in ca- like intense. We're sleeping in cabins and dorm rooms, right? It's, uh, it's like camp when you were a kid. Lake Winnipesaukee or whatever. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, so we got there. We had a wonderful time uh, all around. Uh, good food. We eat very well. Um, well, because there's – the thing is that they need to find a way to reduce noise because, I mean, of course, during meal, everybody is just like totally engaged in like great conversation. It's just like – but everybody has to yell to be heard, you know. <laughs> Just by the person across the table from you, and the whole room is like ah. So everybody's like, has to yell louder and louder. Yeah, and then and then one of the little kids always gets up and starts playing the piano that's in that yeah. corner, <laughs> or or a little kid drops a plate and it breaks. And everybody's like, yeah. So they, throughout the different camps that we've done, you know, we've done. I think we said it was the fifth year. I it, that might be the case, but I think it might have actually been the fourth year. Anyway, not the point. Um, uh, basically. Yeah, maybe it was the fifth year, now that I think about it. Anyway, okay. Uh, basically, uh, we've we've tried to get a nice balance between um, things that we know people, a lot of people are going to want to do, and then things for kids, too. Because since it's family camp, you have families there, obviously. Family camp. 
so mom and dad want to go to the teaching. And this year, what was the th what was the name of the theme? Maybe somebody in the chat room can help me out, Gary. Um, but the the basically it was uh, learning, trying to give tools to people t for personal study, right? Um, I love how I love how Rob is actually doing research for the show as the show's going on. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, so so uh, actually, I you know I only since I helped run the camp, I only got to sit in for one session. That session was Rob's session, and um, it was really very interesting. Rob gave some tools on uh, things to use if you don't speak biblical languages but still want to do word studies in like Greek or Hebrew. Um, he showed, some, you know, uh, Gary did some workshops. Uh, it was called Exploring the Word. That's what it was. Uh, practical Bible study me uh, methods for personal and family growth. And I, I do have to say what I saw of it was really very interesting. And, and, and I'm excited to edit the video. Uh, that's one of my jobs here at Tor Resources, editing all that video. So I will get to see those sessions. And then once, they, uh, once they're edited, they will, they will go up. But during that time, while people are, you know, while mom and dad want to go see that, they also have to think about their kids. Uh, you know, because we don't have like daycare or whatever. So there's all sorts of uh, crafts for the kids. There's a puppet show that goes on two of the nights. So the kids go in and, and uh, are able to, um, are the, the kids are able to be in the puppet show and all sorts of stuff. What are you laughing at here, Rob? <laughs> Robbie Nelson posted, well, we loved Rob's the best. <laughs> oh, that makes me blush. <laughs> Did you have fun? I mean, camp? talk about the teaching. I'm, I feel one oh, camp here. was camp was a blast. I, I just, uh, it was a blast. You know, the, it's tough sleeping on, on a real, real hard mattress like that. But, uh, and I was in a dorm with because my uh, wife didn't come this year. My, uh, <laughs> I was in a dorm with like seven or eight young men. And uh, it was there were people coming and going at all hours. I think night. it's I think it's funny how Gary passed out uh, earbuds. <laughs> You know, like earplugs <laughs> for people in the oh, dorms. It um, was so, great. So no, then, but just me. I, I getting to see people from previous years that uh, I'm so blessed that they came back, like the Nelsons, of course. Um, meeting uh, uh, others that this was their first and hopefully not their their last time coming to camp. Yeah. Um, Very nice. It's just it's energizing, energizing talking to people. You know, and one of the things that I think the Lord's been showing me in my own heart is I've. Uh, over the years, I think I built this uh, kind of def quick defensive mechanism where, you know, getting so many emails or getting people who are always challenging. They're always like, da 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 da, you know. And then it, it starts to feel like every email I get from someone I've never met is going to be, I get a little post traumatic stress, like uh, adrenaline thing. Like it's, they're going to be, uh, what do you, you know, attacking or saying, you know, you know, whatever. But what I've realized is like through camp and, and just the encouraging emails I know I've been getting lately, um, realizing that there are other, there, uh, are people out there that are, um, like-minded. Yeah, exactly. Like-minded and encouraging. It's like, I, it's helping me heal a little bit from that extra defensive kind sure. of thing. So, uh, well, let, I'm, let, I'm let, really grateful for that. Um, let me also, because, oh, so, I, because I'll get a new email from someone I don't know the name and I'm all like, okay, 
take a deep breath. I'll say, you know what, Lord, uh, help me to just read this with and, and respond with grace and clarity to the best of my ability. And, um, you know, rather than, you know, judge it as, okay, this guy's going to be, you know, going off or whatever. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, some of the high, some of the other things that we do at camp, there's always a worship time at night, uh, three square meals a day, uh, which is actually one of the highlights for me, you know, because we get into a lot of theological conversation during the uh, during the the meal times, um, and then the last night on Wednesday night every year at camp, I I pass out. Uh, we make teams, and then we pass out different uh, passages of the Bible, and each team is uh, is given the task of attempting to. Uh, tell the story in the Bible in whatever way they might might see fit. Uh, that could be, uh, and I always I always say it could be in song, it could be in skit, it could be interpretive dance, it can be whatever you want. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> so, uh, this year there was interpretive I just had dance. A picture of uh, of uh, was it one of the Meeks girls? <laughs> Teak, yeah, Tikva. Yep, really uh, funny. The nice was... thing is, you know, it, they're telling the the really nice thing about the skits on the last night is that first of all, they're they're always very humorous, even if people aren't trying to be hum- humorous, because you have little kids that you know things are falling, and it's just very funny. Uh, one year we had uh, we had, we did Jonah and the Whale, and uh, it, it's on a stage. The 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 people literally picked the kid playing Jonah up and threw him off the stage, and it's not a short, it's not a small. It's not like a foot. Was, it's like I think that was Ogden. It was uh, yes, exactly. He, they threw him. They actually threw. They hucked him. him onto some mattresses that they had put down, down there. below that were what about four <laughs> or five feet below, and he he like landed it. I mean, oh um, man, it was so good. Anyway, I mean the the point is that these these sketches are really very funny and and uh, and that they ca- here's the thing that I've noticed. We've had people who've questioned. You know, are are we are we handling the scripture with uh you know with care and with with reverence. I'll tell you this. My son remembers the stories from the plays. My son's four years old. So he remembers the stories from the plays because there's something about the presentation and, you know, kind of a humorous side to things that he remembers. Whereas he doesn't remember, remember a lot of these stories. I think that, you know, it's a great question. It's a great question. I do want to keep in mind that Yeshua gave pictures like, you know, plank in your own eye or a, a camel going through the eye of a needle or throwing, you know, pearls before swine. He gave pictures that were like kind of humorous and very easily remember, uh, memorable because of the ridiculousness of the picture, right? Sure. Like a camel going through an eye of a needle. And so I think there is a way. I, I, I think that all in all, we've, we've because here's the thing, everybody up there doing these uh, presentations and writing these skits love God, love his word, yeah. and love uh, being at camp, and they want to bring a, bring, a, bring, a, uh, bring across in their skit the core piece. Like the group that won with, the, they called it, uh, was it Cops? Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was great. It was John, uh, Caleb assigned them uh, John chapter nine with the healing of the blind man. Yeah. And this was uh, Vince, uh, our friend Vince from from Southern California was so hilarious. He he's the he's the the scene opens up and he's sitting telling like so this is what happened and then the guy said this and it, and it was just so hilarious the the idea of you know Yeshua 
putting like, mud the, on the guy's face and then telling him to wash it off. The, you know? Well, and, and they said they said it like the show Cops, but back yeah. in like in in first century, it, it was and then very, you have the cops are driving, which is uh, uh, Justin and Carl or the drive, <laughs> and then they got the kids in the back, and it's and they are like the Pharisee Holocaust police, right? <laughs> yeah, going exactly. Around and they're saying. You're not doing you know, this, this right. Is clearly a violation of code, <laughs> da, 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 section, da, 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 you know, and I think they won, right? They, they did, won. yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it had music, it had narration, it sound really effects. really funny, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but they were all great. All the, so the, all the, 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 the highlight of camp for me, though, is always, always the baptisms. So we, we, uh, we uh, uh, open up a time on Wednesday every year for people to be baptized, and I've, you know, you know, like in, uh, in movies where the sniper, you know, he'll have his gun and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll like snipe somebody off and then he'll like put a mark in his gun or whatever. Well, I've started doing that with my Bible. It's like every time I shoot Satan by putting somebody under the water in bringing, <laughs> in bringing somebody back up in the faith, I put their name in my Bible. And, uh, there's something very special about seeing people, you know, profess faith, uh, openly and uh and making that statement of faith which to me is really the the most uh the the, the most special part i that horrible english right the most special part uh but it is really a very special time at camp and uh and we were really really blessed this year to be there and to see uh i think there was what five people six people who got baptized uh, i was it was a very very cool thing um so okay well, let's move on. Let's move on now that we've uh, talked about camp. And by the way, uh, if, if you don't receive, if you do receive our show notes, then you will be able to see uh, some of the pictures that I uh, I put a bunch of pictures in there from our time at camp, including uh, finding people with Rob and Caleb show shirts on, which was very cool uh, to see. I'd I'd actually never seen one of those shirts. By the way, for those listening today. Uh, I'm just going to let you know, we're talking about releasing a new Robin Caleb show shirt this coming week, possibly tomorrow. So keep your eyes okay, on the Toro resource. That's store. another thing. See, I, it shows how out of touch I am. I go to camp and I see, I think there were at least three or four ladies and, uh, I don't, I don't know if I saw any, maybe. A, yeah. There's a couple guys, a couple guys wearing Robin Caleb show t-shirts. I was like, what? I was like, that is so cool. I don't know how that even got by me that there were Robin Caleb show t-shirts. So, um, PJ asks, that was really cool. That was PJ, really cool. PJ asks in, um, Oh Gaga ball. Yeah. Uh, I, I hurt my knees playing a new Israeli game called Gaga ball at camp. Uh, PJ asks, what are your guidelines for baptism? Uh, guidelines for baptism in, in my, uh, in my opinion, is that the person professes uh, faith in the Messiah Yeshua and professes uh, that they are going to live a life in uh, in servitude to Him. Um, essentially, that's that's the guidelines. You know, we don't see in in uh, the uh, in the Gospels we don't see uh, John the Baptist sitting there going, "Okay, now." You know, I need I need you to check these check marks. What does he do? He, no, he, he but the general picture of repentance and the general yeah. picture of repentance. Now, uh, for us, actually, this uh, it's been very very good because usually uh, family members are baptizing other uh, family members, right? That's so cool. Yeah, oh. uh, uh, pa- parents will be baptizing their children, and at that point, it's up to them. 
you know, it's up to the parents whether or not they want uh, their, to baptize their children or not and think that their children are ready. Um, there's been some older per- people that have been baptized. I baptized, not, I've, I had the distinct pleasure of baptizing my wife in, uh, at camp one year. I was also uh, given the honor of baptizing Sandra Steed before she passed. That was uh, quite an honor. And uh, so we've, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, professing faith in the Messiah Yeshua and saying that you're uh, willing to stand uh, in servitude to him, uh, live or die. That's, uh, that's the requirement. Okay, let's move on. So, um, boy, if you're on Twitter or you're on Facebook, I can only imagine that you too have seen the uproar over what is being called the Nashville statement. Should we do the Nashville statement first or should we make that our main topic? I I, named I don't the, even remember what our... I, I named this... Uh, well, we have a, a clip uh, that we, uh, from the comment line. Uh, this could be shorter, so let's do this first. We'll go, I named this show uh, Trouble in Nashville, so you know maybe it's, uh, maybe it's better that we do the Nashville statement last. Um, this is the first comment on the Torah Resource comment line. I'll put this uh, the line up here for all of everyone. Uh, you can give us a call anytime at 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. It's just a message machine. You can leave a message. Any message that is left, the answering machine will tell you. Uh, we have, by leaving a message, you give permission to uh, have it played on Torah Resource Radio or on our show. And uh, so I've cut this down to take the gentleman's name out because I wasn't sure if he would really want his name on our show or not. But uh, let's listen to what he had to say. Watching show number 185. Uh, appreciate what you are doing. Just was wondering why the focus on the imputed righteousness by faith uh, wasn't more focused to clarify the uh, righteousness issues that's come up with some in the movement. Uh, just food for thought, I guess. Okay, so what he's talking about in show uh, 185, we discussed Zach Bauer and his, uh, let me get this off the screen, sorry. We discussed Zach Bauer and, and his claim that uh, Yeshua's death does nothing for, uh, personal sal- uh, for personal sin. Now, he never told us what Yeshua's death does. Uh, in his opinion, in that well, I thought he said it's like the it's like the the blood of the Passover over the door. Yeah, but what does that do? Is it? For, I mean, is it for individuals yeah, well, or? I mean, I mean that's the that's how he tied it to. Uh, it's, to to me, it was not a satisfactory uh, uh, explanation from Zach of what he thinks the, the the death of the Messiah did. Anyway, then we then uh, you can go back and listen to show one eighty five. We uh, we discussed uh, some uh, some of Lex Meyer's comments, and actually Lex was uh, you know he he's a very kind man, and and uh, even though we might disagree on some things, I think that uh, you know I, I hold him as a brother, and and he certainly shows it in his character. Um, you know he was very gracious to actually comment on that show and uh, clarify some of the things that he had said, saying that he agreed with everything that we had said in terms of uh, Yeshua's death and, and righteousness. Um, so uh, back to this gentleman's uh, comment, uh, he says, "I want to listen to the very beginning of it again one more time." Watching show number one eighty five. Uh, appreciate what you are doing. Just was wondering why the focus on the imputed righteousness by faith uh, wasn't more focused. 
I'll tell you why it wasn't more focused. It's a great question. Thank you for bringing this up, by the way. Um, the reason it wasn't more focused is because a lot of what we were saying is was off the cuff. Uh, Rob had never heard any of those clips and was essentially, you know, one of the way that we, one of the ways that we prepare for this show. For those who don't know, basically what happens is. Rob and I will talk on Monday morning and we'll say, I'll tell him some of the ideas that I have for topics or maybe some of the emails that have come in or something like that. He'll say, yeah, great. And then we get off the phone and that's about it. I then will go and pull clips or find articles or do whatever. And uh, Rob usually just kind of plays off of what I find. Um, but probably 95% of the time on Wednesday morning when we start the show, I have not showed Rob, any of the articles or anything that I've prepared. So he's coming at this, uh, he gets blindsided a lot by what I've found or what I'm, what I'm going to play, especially when it comes to audio clips. So that's, uh, I think probably one of the, you know, basically what you were seeing there was, uh, us being off the cuff more. Um, hang on just a sec now. Let me try to find there it but is. it's oh. a good, it's a good point uh, that the the voicemail brings to our attention is that Yeshua died in our positions. Yeshua died for uh, the sins of the elect. Yeah. So this this are, and, uh, and this and that is it's got a an individual element and a corporate element both. Um, yes. I, I took, all have yeah. and this is gonna this is actually gonna segue into our Nashville statement discussion because. The, uh, core, the core point here, and I brought up Romans 3, all have sinned, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so what do we do? Right? What, uh, what's our, that's, our, that's the conundrum of humankind is, is the fall and sin in the world. And everybody is, uh, has sinned and falls short of the glory of God and the righteous requirement of the Torah. So God expresses in his revealed word what is holiness, what is righteousness, what is truth, etc. And it's the standard. And sin is defined by uh, disconformity or nonconformity to that standard, right? And, and so Yeshua's death is... A critical, crucial um, part of of the salvation of sinners from that situation. So, and oh, it's and it's. Oh, go ahead, Caleb. Well, okay, several things here. First of all, I want to I want to clarify our terms. I want to get back to PJ. What you just said in the chat room. I'll, I'll get back to that in a few seconds. He's uh, the chat room still talking about baptism here. And this is a good point that, that uh, PJ is making. But first, let's talk about imputed righteousness for just a second. For those who don't know what imputed righteousness is, I put this in the show notes. But you can always subscribe to our show notes by going to Torah Resource, hover over the uh, the radio button, and then go down to the Robin Caleb Show page. And uh, you, there's a sign-up form there. You can you can sign up for our show to receive show notes. They're totally free, and they only come once a once a week. And we don't share any information. Anyway, this is the point: is that uh, this link uh, to uh, Theopedia, which is like Wikipedia for theology, Theopedia, is, uh, has a, a great short little article which I thought was helpful in understanding what imputed righteousness is for those who are unaware of the theological term. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit of this. It says, Imputed righteousness is the theological concept directly related to the doctrine of justification. It is particularly relevant in the Reformed tradition, Reformed tradition being that from the Reformation. 
justification. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's not exactly right. Uh, something that the Reformation really brought into focus. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Uh, going on with this article, justification is that step in salvation in which God declares the believer righteous. Protestant theology has emphasized that this includes the imputation of Christ's righteousness. That is credited, accrediting it to the believer's account. Whereas Roman Catholic theology emphasizes that God justifies in accord with an infused righteousness merited by Christ and maintained by the believer's good works. Okay, so basically, uh, and I put, I also put this in your show notes, the way that I understand imputed righteousness and the way that I believe salvation works is that our faith in the Messiah Yeshua Yeshua's death and resurrection, his, his death on the cross, the bloodshed, is then imputed to us. That means that when God sees us in the courtroom setting, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees the resurrected, resurrected life of That's, Yeshua. Yes. And, we, and this ties into baptism. The way, and this, Paul gets into this, of course, in Romans 4, he set, Romans 3 and 4, he sets up just like he quotes the psalm, you know, blessed is the man that the Lord does not impute sin, etc., whose sins are covered, who forgives, etc., uh, etc. Et and then he gets into, by Romans 6, he gets into baptism. He says that you are baptized into the death of Yeshua. And Romans 7 then goes on to say that when, when you die, the sin, that the legal demand for your death because of sin that the Torah has over you, the curse, because you've transgressed God's holy law, that, that's been paid. Yep. It has no longer, it has no grip well, over you anymore. And you're, you participate in, in Yeshua's resurrection life, which is a life that is a life of conformity to God's will. Out of the very seed of that life is Abba Father, is, is being a child of God whose desire is to to love God, to walk in the Shema, to 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 flourish and uh, bring fruit for his kingdom. So let's read the scriptures that you're talking about. Uh, first of all, we see imputed righteousness as early as Genesis, right? Abraham is the one who, and Paul brings this up in the passages that you were talking about in Romans 4. In uh, Genesis 15, 6, it says, and he believed that he, that is uh, Abraham, and he, Abraham, believed the Lord or believed God, and he counted it to him as righteousness, so what did he believe, right? He believed that in his seed, and uh, I mean, we could preach on this for days, right? We see, this is, we see the Messiah show up in the, in the very first chapters, in chapter 3 of Genesis, that, that the, the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the snake and, and, the, and the snake would, would uh, bite the heel right. of, the, of the seed. So we see the seed show up. Now, the seed is this constant throughout the Tanakh. When I say Tanakh, I mean the, the Old Testament. Um, so throughout the Tanakh, we see the seed. And once again, here in Genesis 15, we see the seed show up again, that, uh, that in your, uh, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And as, as we go on through the Tanakh, we see that it narrows down to a tribe and then it narrows down even farther and farther and farther. And we're, by the time we get to Isaiah, we have, uh, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, you know, these, uh, so this, this whole uh, theology is refined very nicely throughout the Tanakh, but all the way from the beginning of Genesis, we see this theme of the seed. 
Right. Okay. And so what does Abraham do? He believes. He believes in the seed. He believes in the coming Messiah. He believes the promise. He believes the promise. And that the key there is that it limits uh, that faith, limits Abraham to be saying, oh, you know, it's not about me trying to earn something before God. This is God's sovereignty. God said he's going to do it. And And by George, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. (laughs) and, and, And it has nothing to do... Like as you continue on Genesis 15, Abraham doesn't walk through the the pieces. No, right? God yeah. says I'm going to do this, and people say like recently we've had this Facebook conversation. Oh, so God just makes robots? So you're just a robot, or you're just an android, and God forces you to do this? Well, is that what you're going to accuse God of in Genesis 15? Say uh, what does he what did he do to Abraham? Oh, God God forced Abraham to fall asleep. And then God himself passed through the pieces and says, this is what I'm going to do. Which this is all is covenant. What I'm do. Yeah, which is all, I mean, for those who are unaware of what, what uh, Rob's talking about, this is all covenant, covenant imagery, right? This is how covenants were made in the ancient Near East. So did so Abraham, did Abraham ever blame God? Oh, you didn't even give me a choice. You didn't even give me a choice. I, am I just a robot? You know, and, and, and so I think that, I, I don't think that's a good way to, to talk about um the creator as if he made robots to serve him it's the wrong well method it's the wrong uh what do you call it metaphor but so but but paul picks up this exact verse and quotes it in romans 4 let's read what paul has to say romans 4 1 through 12 what then shall we say was uh was gained by abraham our our forefather according to the flesh for if abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about but not before god for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one who to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man, yeah, this word could be, anyway. Uh, blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been uh, circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So Paul is really hitting hard on this idea of imputed righteousness. And thank you very much to the caller who who called in. Uh, We really enjoy getting uh, messages on our our line and and hearing what people have to say. It's nice to hear an actual voice and and hear the thoughts of people. Uh, And we have some regulars who call in almost every week. And and, uh, it's it's nice to hear, uh, you know, kind of the other side of things. But I think that the caller is absolutely right. You know, what we were getting at in show 185, which is two weeks ago, but the last show that we did, was really imputed righteousness. Now, we didn't define it as such, but this is exactly what I believe the scriptures are saying about the the death and resurrection and faith in the Messiah. Um, 
Are we good on this? Can we go to the chat room now, or uh, do you want to say anything well, more about it? No, we're, go for it. Okay. So let's move back then to the chat room. PJ says, uh, now we're talking, we're moving back in topics now to baptism. PJ says, I thought only an ordained minister may baptize. So anybody may baptize another? Uh, the way that I see baptism is that it comes from mikvahs. Mikvahs were administered by the person who is actually getting the mikvah. No one had to dunk you under. You went in and you came out. I don't see anywhere in scripture that it says that uh, someone had to, first of all, had to be ordained. It doesn't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong here. But uh, in, when Paul's writing in Timothy and some other, you know, he uh, writes in some other places about leadership, it never talks about ordination. That's number one. Number two, it never says that a person has to put uh, the baptize E under the water, right? Now, Obviously, in the scriptures, we see that, right? John the Baptist goes out, he preaches repentance, and then he ba he's baptizing people. Uh, now, uh, this, is, uh, this is actually really a very fascinating thing uh, to study, is uh, John the Baptizer and what he was doing. What do you think, Rob? Because I think, personally, I think that this was seen as a almost like a conversion process, uh, you know, uh, or whatever you want, however you want to see that, uh, you know, to, to get into certain sects of Judaism um, in the first century, we know that uh, the dead, the Qumran sect had specific uh, things that you had to do. There was a two-year waiting period, I believe it was two years, two or three years. Uh, waiting yeah, and period. There, were, there were, when you look at throughout Israel, there were mikvahs all over and all, many, all over the land in different towns, mikvahot. But John the Baptist wasn't calling people to those. He no. was out. He was calling people out of all that, and it was a baptism, as we know, uh, unto repentance. And to righteousness. And, and, but, but do you think that they thought that they were coming into a new sector? Because I kind of think that they did. I think that they saw— No, I don't—I wouldn't—I would stop short of saying sect. I would say that they were brought to the edge of, like, wow, God's going to—God's doing something. God's doing something mighty, and we don't know exactly what it is yet, but we know that— we know that we have a sin problem and we know that all these different competing groups of Jewish, you know, we are the, you know, Qumran or the Pharisees or Sadducees or all these different groups. Um, well, and remember that, that there was something didn't smell right to the average person, to the average Amhar. It's, and they're out saying we just, you know, we, we need our sin dealt with. And so I think it prepared hearts. It prepared hearts. Right where it says, prepare the way, Isaiah 40, for receiving the gospel. For when Yeshua came, they were like, this guy is the real deal. This guy. Well, and remember that people were, people were actually wondering if John the baptizer was, uh, was right, right. the yeah, Messiah. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't some Joe Schmo out in the desert, just, you know, he wasn't some prosperity preacher. That's right. uh, he had disciples. He, and Yeshua said, uh, none None born among born from women is greater than John the Baptist. So uh, uh, Gary in the chat room, one of our uh, chat room administrators, brings up a, a, a passage. He says, how would this then fit in? Um, I'm sorry. How would this fit in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 then? Does that teach that only ordained people should be making disciples? Let's read it. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm reading from the ESV. And Yeshua came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I Once again, I don't see any, uh, any reference to ordination here. Um, and I think that any disciple is supposed to be making disciples, right? I've never been ordained um, by anybody, but I, I feel like Yeshua's charge not only to his disciples, but also to me is to make more disciples. And that doesn't mean to go and have somebody say the, the, um, the prayer of, of belief. Lord, forgive me. Okay, you said your prayer, now go, right? What, is, what does it mean to make disciples? I mean, I think that the, and there's been some very good books written on this. I think the idea of making disciples is actually having true relationship with people. And I know, I, I certainly know that Gary uh, agrees with me because Gary is very uh, big into discipleship and uh, into personal discipleship. And that's, that's one of Gary's uh, fortes, I believe, is teaching personal discipleship. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, at any chance that I have, I've never been ordained as a minister. I don't think I probably ever will be ordained as a minister. At any chance I have to uh, to put Satan to flight by putting another uh, believer under the water and bringing them back up in newness of life as a representation of newness of life and faith in the Messiah Yeshua as a outward profession of faith, uh, I will certainly be happy to do that. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's an honor. Anytime someone uh, allows me to to baptize them, I I find it to be an honor. But the one thing that we do see with baptism here in this passage that Gary's brought up is that we do have some uh, some specifics that we have to do. We have to baptize people in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Right. So, I mean, take that as I know that there's different uh, ideas on that as well. But those those are the requirements is to baptize in the name of. Good discussion. Thank you, chat room. Okay, let's move on. Uh, last but not least, we are going to talk about this pesky little thing going around on the Internet, which is just filled with hate. And uh, <laughs> the, Na the Nashville statement, if you don't know what the Nashville statement is, uh, I, it's in your show notes. Uh, for those who don't receive our show notes, what are you doing? Uh, you can uh, go to cbmw.org. And this is where the Nashville statement is. They have a preamble. In the preamble, I think it's interesting. You can, sh you can see Rob's uh, mind as a scholar uh, just in reading the very first verse of the preamble. The preamble verse is uh, Psalm 100, verse 3. No, I, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Your dad would have saw the same thing. As uh, of course. Uh, th this is, and I, I know my, yes, this is a, this is a go-to verse uh, for specific studies and especially Masoretic studies. Um, so uh, the verse, how they have rendered it is, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Uh, it, now, this is going to be a rabbit trail from the Nashville statement. However, Rob, uh, explain to us why this translation uh, is in dispute. Well, this, uh, and I don't want to spend so much time on this because it, it could be a distraction from the main meat of what the Nashville statement is all about. But I, I, I don't know if you have it on your screen. You can share it. That file is page 29. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I'm it's, sorry. I don't have oh, it. Oh, okay. No, that's all right. Uh, you yeah. could go if anybody wants to read the article. It's it's an uh, article by Tim Haig called "To Read or Not to Read." You can find is, you, you can find it on, on Torah Tor Resource. Resource. Yeah, 
dot under, com under articles to read or not to read. Um, anyway, uh, this is <clears throat> why this is interesting to me is because the, the it it comes into the issue of why do we need to even study the medieval Jewish scribal tradition, etc. And uh, now this is just a footnote, so I'll, I'll try to make it concise. Notice that the version they give, which I believe is the NASB here, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Yes. And the reason why this is important verse for the Nashville statement is because they want to contrast. They want to say God is the creator. And which he is. He created with gender, male and female. Also true. Right? Which And, and that the picture of marriage uh, or, or that marriage uh, is a, a gift and covenant uh, that God has uh, ordained for for his creation, his human creations, and that um, he is, he's the one that assigns these categories of gender and that sexuality is a uh, uh, to be fit within the marriage covenant and has no place outside and there's no justification for it outside of the marriage covenant. Um, in, in contrast, back to the Psalm 100, verse 3, that we did not make ourselves. In other words, we are not our own creators. We did not create ourselves. And the, the only foot, and, and you know, this is not incorrect uh, exegesis on their part for using the psalm, except for this part and not we ourselves, because it changes the way the Hebrew is read. So if you just download this article, you can see, you scroll to page 29, and you'll see all these places in um, the Tanakh where there's this word lo that can be spelled two different ways. Lo lamed vav, with a cholam, right? Lo. Or lo lamed aleph, with a cholam. So they sound the same. If you just hear someone say lo, because the aleph is silent, uh, you can't tell the difference between whether it's lo to him, lamed vav, or lo lamed aleph, not. Well, here you see in the Nashville version, they say not, we ourselves. So they take Lamed Aleph as meaning not. Um, but if you look at basically how many other, and now NRSV, REB, the NIV, the ESV, the Net Bible, the Holman Christian Standard, the Tanakh uh, by the, uh, I think that's the Art Scroll, the JPS, and then the, the Tree of Life version, all take it as we belong to him. They take it as low, meaning to him. So that so all those other translations would have here, know that the Lord Himself is God. He made us, and we belong to Him. Hmm. Not and we and not, not saying, not we ourselves. There's a lot of nots here. Anyway, if you read this article that Tim, this is a, a paper that Tim gave at the Evangelical Theological Society, either 2015 or 2016. I don't remember, but. Um, but happily, you know, in favor of the reading, it, in spite of the fact that most of these modern translations have a different reading than what we see here in the Nashville Statement, the NASB, the ancient versions, the Septuagint, the Greek, the ancient Greek, the ancient Syriac, the ancient Latin, all have the reading not, like we have here. So it seems like 
all our ancient witness, most ancient witnesses would agree with the NASB version that you have here in the preamble of the Nashville statement. But um, it's, the reason this is worthy to point out is that you might say, oh, I want to look up Psalm 100, verse 3 in my Bible. And if you have a different version, a different modern version, you're going to read it and it's going to say, and we belong to him or something like that. And you're going to go, wait a minute, why is it different than what they have here on the Nashville statement? And that's why. It comes down to a single Hebrew word and whether it's read to him or not. And uh, Okay, so, so for, for, those, a little, for those who are watching this, you can see now that I've brought up on my Twitter account, I... You saw me typing a lot, I'm sure. I was trying to get this article uh, posted on my Twitter account, so now it's on the screen. You can oh, go cool. to Thanks, yeah. you can go to my Twitter account, which is at Caleb Hag, and it is posted there. You can also look at the hashtag hashtag RC Show, and it will pull up there. Okay, um, so let's look at the Nashville statement then, in uh, which is uh, I don't even really know how to start. What is the Nashville statement? It is a uh, statement uh, given by several. Uh, even several evangelicals. It has uh, 14 articles. Each article is a paragraph, a we affirm, and then a counter we deny. So let me just, and actually I've found two major problems that that I have with the Nashville statement. One of them is in article one. Basically what the Nashville statement is as a general overview is it's a look at, it's an affirmation by evangelicals that the Bible uh, teaches on what the Bible teaches on homosexual relationships, and then also uh, what the Bible teaches about gender. And uh, we're going to try to keep this very um, uh, <laughs> PG, at least, uh, because we know that some children do listen to this show. So we will try to be as sensitive as possible. However, if you have young kids, this might be, uh, you know, you might want to think about listening some other time if they're in the room. Uh, you can listen on demand. So uh, the first article, and, and we'll read this one, I'll read it all the way through, and then I'll tell you my obvious uh, objection to the first portion of this article. Article one, we affirm that God has designed marriage to be a covenantal sexual pro- procreative lifelong union of one man and, wo- and one woman as husband and wife and is meant to signify the covenant love between Christ and his bride, the church. We deny that God has designed marriage to be a homosexual, polygamist, or polyamorous relationship. We also deny that marriage is a mere human contract rather than a covenant made before God. Now, this all sounds great. The the uh, the one big problem that I have with this is at the end of the paragraph we affirm, they say... Uh, and they're talking about marriage and is meant to signify the covenant love between Christ and his bride, the church. The problem that I have with this now, I, th- I think this could be argued. I think that their point could be argued. Uh, the word church is, is uh, a, a translation of the Greek word ekklesia. Uh, well, that's not exactly where it comes this from. It's from Ephesians 5. Yes. Right? Okay. But, but usually in your Bible where it says church, it's translating the word ekklesia, which means assembly. Okay. Um, and so if we think of uh, the church as the assembly of, of God uh, or the assembly of Israel, then I agree that uh, this is what the, the picture is. However, the reason I have a problem with this is because I don't believe that this is necessarily how most people would read this, and I don't think it's necessarily how some of these evangelicals meant it. Uh, this, I think, comes from a place of replacement theology. God's bri- Christ's bride is what? Israel. 
The church enlarges Israel. If we use the church as the body of believers, it enlarges Israel, but it does not replace Israel. And this is really one of the main problems that I have uh, with the, the Article 1, is that we're, we're really teetering on the idea of replacement theology here um, from the, from the get-go. And to me, that's a problem. Um, besides that, there is some other interesting things in here. However, uh, for the most part, I actually agree with the idea of the statement. Now, uh, and, and I, I agree with the idea that, uh, let's back up for a second. People have said, why do we need this? We have the Bible. The Bible is clear. We have the Bible. Well, unfortunately, there are many believers and evangelicals who say it's not that clear that God loves, love wins all, and that uh, these passages in the Bible about um, you know uh, same-sex relationships and whatnot they're ambiguous or, uh, you know, they're talking about Roman culture or things like this. There's all, all sorts of ways to try to wiggle out of these, of, of these Bible passages, uh, in the name of exegesis and, and other things. Um, and so I think what the goal of the Nashville statement, and correct me if, if you think I'm wrong here, Rob, but I think the goal of the Nashville statement was to say, this is how we as evangelicals, the evangelicals that are signing it, uh, understand these passages in the Bible. And this is what we believe, um, uh, you know, the, this is the, the line in the sand. What do you think? I'm, I don't know. What would, just in terms of something to sign, and then the fact that you can go and see people who have signed, to me, I don't know how I feel about that. I have mixed feelings on that. Because what would it take for you to sign something, Caleb? You know what I mean? What would it take... Like, what does it mean to, to sign on to something? Okay, so um, uh, this is a good it, point. What you're saying is a good point. I just want to uh, say... Uh, is, this I, a, is this some sort of covenant? Am I signing on to... I, I mean, think I think signal? I think the signing of it is saying, I agree with this statement. In other words, I stand behind... I stand with the line in the sand. That is that I oppose same-sex relationship. I and but, how, I, but, but, okay, so how does that function for, for the individual? Do you feel like you're part of a larger group? Do you feel like... I is think, it about? I think. It, 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 do I feel better about myself because I signed this and John Piper signed it? Okay. So by the way, you know it, should, I mean? it, it should be noted that the chat room uh, is is including Gary. Gary and Carl both say that I'm nitpicking on the church thing because they use lowercase c. They're just pulling from Paul's writings in, and I'm I can see that's fine. I, I'm I'm happy. I would be very happy to 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 be able to say that I think that the, you know I don't think that Piper actually necessarily believes in replacement theology, um, so yeah I, I I think maybe you're right I hope I'm nitpicking and and this is uh this is not uh you know this is not a form of replacement theology that they're writing in here and and I don't think that was the point or the goal of what they were saying in statement one, um okay no and Philip says that, yeah I Caleb's aware that ecclesia is is used in the Greek. Tanakh, the Greek Torah, yeah. um, and so it's 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 good. It's good that we've brought that point to to bear. But yeah, I mean, we I don't think we should push too hard and say, well, there's a lot of reform uh, uh, preachers on this who have signed this who believe in some sort of replacement theology. Therefore, it's behind the picture here. I I don't know how far we want because there's other places that that we would we can push as well on this 
as other as critics have already. Even people who have signed it have have written statements as to nitpicky, and of course they're not making also, a point. Of, also, of in your show notes, the word oh, church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, here's here's where I think it's coming I'm just from. Saying, I'm just no, no, saying wait, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. I, here's where I think it's coming from. I think it's coming from a pushback to the liberals who are. Uh, you know, the, uh, a very liberal, and I shouldn't say all liberals, but a very uh, vocal liberal uh, voice that is saying, you know, basically they say, we believe in tolerance and love unless you disagree with us or unless you're a Christian. If you disagree with, you know, with a homosexual lifestyle, you know, we're for love and peace, but we'll beat you up if you believe that. And I think what is happening is you have evangelicals saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys might have a loud voice, but guess what? We have a voice too. And here's the line in the sand. And look at how many people we're going to have sign it. And not only we're going to have people sign it, but we're going to have big names that have huge followings that are going to stand up and say, we agree with what's going on. You know, gender dysphoria is a real uh, dysfunction, a real psychological dysfunction. It is. And so, but I think that there's a lot of people who are using gender dysphoria to mask what, you know, what is really going on, which is, you know, not good. But the idea that we should accept gender dysphoria as a, a lifestyle or as something that is from birth, no, you don't, you know, this is something that needs help, psychological help. It's not something that we embrace. It's just like, you know, you don't, somebody who's schizophrenic, you don't just say, oh, born from birth, you know, that's fine. Just be who you want to be. No, you try to help them. You try to get, put them on the medication that they need to be able to live a, a decent and, and, and fruitful life. It's the same with gender dysphoria. And I'm not sure why society all of a sudden thinks that this psychological disorder is, is different than other psychological disorders. And I think that the, that the Nashville statement rightly puts this forward. Um, so I think that it's certainly worth, uh, you know, bringing up, it's just too funny not to, the Babylon Bee's take on this. Uh, the Babylon Bee, for those who don't know who, what the Babylon Bee is, it's a satirical, uh, uh, newspaper, online digital newspaper. Uh, they make fun of, uh, and it's Christian. They make fun of Christianity, uh, from a Christian standpoint, uh, the interesting thing is, is that this satirical take on the Nashville uh, statement from the Babylon Bee, although satire, it hits the nail squarely on the head, which is even more funny. They say, if you've come within 50 miles of Twitter or Facebook this week, you've probably heard about the, a mysterious new document called the Nashville Statement. Depending on which crowd you run with, the pro you probably think it's either the 67th book being added to the canon of scripture or else a modern revised version of Mein Kampf. But unlike the unwashed masses on your social networks, you're a smart person. And so you have come to the Babylon Bee to get the real story. So here they are, just facts about the Nashville Statement. What does the Nashville Statement say? It says some really controversial stuff for uh, Bible-believing Christians, like that God made Adam and Eve as trigger warning, male and female, that marriage was created by God to be the union between one man and one woman, that he loves people with gender dysphoria and same-sex attraction, even if he doesn't approve of all of their actions, and that he offers grace and mercy to sinners of all stripes. Who has signed the Nashville Statement? Oh, a whole mob of fringe, hate-filled bigots with zero credibility, such as John Piper, J.I. Packer, Mark Denver, R.C. Sprawl, John MacArthur, Al Mohler, Russell Moore, Francis Chan, and Matt Chandler. Just look at that list of theological lightweights. Couldn't they at least have gotten some people who've proven themselves as faithful witnesses of Christ? 
I mean, they, they go on. Uh, this is also in your show notes. It's it's very funny. Uh, but but it's true. I mean, basically, in my mind, what the Nashville statement has done is brought forward what the Bible has already said. They've they've just plant you know they've just drawn the line in the sand. Um, this is what the Bible says. We believe it. We're not going to conform to our feelings or to society norms because that's you know just because I have uh, friends who are uh, who are homosexuals or I have family members who are homosexuals does not mean that God accept, accepts it. Just because I love those people doesn't mean that all of a sudden God's okay with it. That's not the way it works. You know, and I think there has, you know, I think that they could have said some other things in the Nashville statement. They could have brought up things like, uh, actually, Russ, uh, uh, Ryan T. Anderson, who we've talked about on this show, makes some very good points on his Twitter feed. I've put his Twitter feed in our show notes as well. He says, uh, and this he put in a string of tweets. He says, can anyone explain to me why the Nashville statement says chastity is only required outside of marriage? Let's read that article real quick. This is article two in the Nashville statement. It says, we affirm that God's, God's revealed will for all people is chastity outside of marriage and fidelity within marriage. We deny that any affections, desires, or commitments ever justify sexual intercourse before or outside of marriage, nor do they justify any form of sexual uh, immorality. Um, and then uh, Ryan T. Anderson says, he says, can anyone explain to me why the Nashville statement says chastity is only required outside of marriage, not inside as well? Let me add, I support the uh, broader aims of the Nashville statement and the people who drafted it and signed it. But a missed opportunity to explain that chastity is the virtue that should govern all of our sexual lives and it makes demand demands on all. For example, when a married couple consumes pornography together, they are violating chastity, even if they aren't cheating on each other. Nashville mentions transgender and homosexual conduct by name, never mentions porn by name. Missed opportunity, chastity requires more. I think that he's he's definitely on to something here. I think that there was a missed opportunity here. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Rob? My thoughts are I need to finish this <laughs> this post. Uh, uh, because I'm, I'm on this idea of, okay, so we all sign this thing and we get this banner. But what we're affirming, when we say no, right, to, you know, it, need, it's, it can't just be students and scholars. It's got to be, you know, boys and girls, right, like it was back in the good old days, you're either a boy or a girl, right? Or we have boys' restrooms and girls' restrooms, and you go to the one that's according to your plumbing, right? Or, or however, you know, that seems obvious and simple, right? It, it, it absolutely seems obvious and simple and truthful. And there's no doubt that there's this cloud, and it's usually it's a minority of voices that are loud. Like they say, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And they get in the media and it gets in our, uh, you know, advertising. It gets into the arts, you know, and film and music and all this, these things that are streams of cultural um, capital. And, and it, events, it gets into our public school system, right? And, um, and laws, legislation. So 
if we want to push back is signing this, I can see how signing this, someone feels, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm standing with this larger group. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I'm asserting the basic principles from scripture and et cetera. Will that help change public, public policy? I don't know. I don't know. Do, do we have examples of that being effective? You know, I, I'm going to plead a little bit ignorant on this. And my, my initial thought is that it, it can help people feel like they're part of a, like they're not crazy, right? And they're, they're not alone. And that can be a good thing. Um, I, but, are, yeah. but do I, what's the next step? Do I put a, a flag out? You know, do I put a Nashville statement flag out on my hmm. in my window and or bumper sticker on my car? I suppose that they, they maybe maybe you know that maybe they have such things. Do I have a badge I wear and I go around and now I I stand for this? I think that do I how do I want to put it? Back to our discussion from Romans, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? So if we're going to start talking about what is sin and what is not sin, is the Nashville statement the place to do it? Um, you know, they chose to define it a certain way because of the gender issues that you've talked about and the marriage, you know, people being even ordained in some groups of that they call themselves Christianity. Um, you know, you'll have a, a same-sex marriage where one of them is like a quote pastor or a priest or whatever. Um, I, I have to believe that the Lord is allowing us to see all this craziness as a refinement tool for the elect. And so I can see this national statement as an effort to bring clarity, a clear voice, a, an articulation of, of a biblical worldview. And I think that's important. I think that it's always important to. I think it's always important to to, to uh, preach the word. And so, uh, Philip in the in the chat room, he says, "Is changing public public policy our task?" However, the abolition of slavery did come from the people of God. The, my, my point in in this would be: we see biblical grounds. We should always preach the word, whether or not that brings about change or not. We should always uh, stand firm on the word of God. You know, when it comes to things like abortion. You know, we see clearly in the Word of God in Exodus 22, uh, if a, if a, two men are wrestling, one man hits the, the a pregnant woman and, and she miscarries, uh, he gets the death penalty. That means that the life within her is seen as a life. And it doesn't talk about what trimester she's in, right? If she miscarries at any point in a pregnancy because uh, a, a man um, mistreated her, he gets the death penalty. So, I mean, these are things that we can preach and whether or not, you know, I, I don't claim to be a Republican. I don't claim to be a Democrat. I'm, I'm very not happy with the political lines here in America. Um, but the point is, is that I can preach what the word says. I stand on the word of God. And so when we talk about gender, when we talk about, uh, you know, lifestyle in terms of sexuality and things, once again, these things need to be preached by believers through the lens of what God says about it. I think this is Ryan T. Anderson's point exactly, is that chastity is not just outside of marriage. Chastity no, exactly, is within exactly. in marriage as well. And that's exactly. this is what the Bible says. Right, right. And my wife, she coaches many different couples. And, uh, you know, there's 
people who are married, who are Christian, and there's all sorts of problems in marriages that are, are, are Christian marriages. And you could, you could arguably say that in the Nashville statement, like what was it, number nine, um, we affirm sin distorts sexual desires by directing them away from the marriage covenant and towards sexual immorality, a distortion that includes both heterosexual and homosexual immorality. I, I, I'm glad that's in there because that could be addressed. That could, Article 9 could be saying that even in the covenant, you know, the God-ordained covenant of marriage between male and female, you know, a husband and a wife, that, um, that there are, there is proper um, expression of, of, of sexuality and improper. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about with chastity within marriage. Um, what does it mean to be faithful to my wife? Right. Uh, that's that's a, a, an important thing. I, I'm married. Now I need to learn what what is holiness, what is purity, what is faithfulness in this situation. Um, but I, I kind of see the natural statement as a sermon. Right. It's kind of like a, a sermon. Right. And every sermon that preaches from the word, you could say, oh, I wish he would have done this. Like he could have gone further on this. He wasn't clear on that. Um, but. How come here's the, here's the other way of looking at it. How come the Nashville statement just wasn't we all believe what the Bible says about marriage? Sign below. I, well, why I, can't it why can't it be, be that simple? Because you got guys like I'll tell you exactly why. Because even within I mean, you have zealots, okay? But you also have people who are who are going to say, "Well, Jesus came and preached love, man. Hey, man, Jesus is all about love, man. Or, love or the, trumps. The, the laws from Leviticus have been done away. Yeah, so, exactly. And so, man, uh, all you're all you're using, you're you're twisting scripture in Romans to fit your agenda. And so, I think what the Nashville statement did was say, "Look, we as this group of indiv- of uh, evangelicals, we are saying this is how we are interpreting the scripture. This is how we see the scripture. We're not going to budge on it." This is not an this is not a hermeneutical point for us. This is what the word of God says. It says it multiple times and this is what it teaches. And your social justice warriors are not going to uh, uh, intimidate us into turning on the word of God. You know, your uh, just because Rob Bell wrote a uh, a book that is, you know, that says love wins and everybody everybody's uh, all dogs go to heaven in the end. Guess what? That's not what the Bible says. And I think that's the point of the statement. I agree. Look, we have the Bible. We can look at the Bible and say, this is what the Bible says. But I think what the statement does is it says to the, to the, uh, to the loud voices uh, that are opposing, you know, that are saying you can be Christian and still, uh, you know, and still accept uh, homosexual lifestyles and transgender and all these things. What the statement is saying is no. We will not compromise on this because we don't believe that this is what God says. I think that's and, what it does. And, right. And I, and I think it does a good job. I think it does a good job of drawing that line. You know, and, and, uh, uh, and, and Gary, you know, Gary, the, Gary, Gary posts from the preamble. Uh, and this is from the preamble of the Nashville Statement. We are persuaded that faithfulness in our generation means declaring once again the true story of the world and of our place in it, particularly as male and female. No. You know? and it, by the way, and, and this is maybe a, a side note, but 
you know, I've watched a lot of things uh, recently on on free speech and and basically the uh, the push that we have down at Berkeley and all these things of of people who are saying, oh, if you you know if you believe homosexual uh, relationships are sinful, then you hate homosexuals. And this is one of the key talking points from people who who really you know uh, don't know their Bible, but uh, they'll say. Jesus never preached against homosexual relationships. He preached love. He never said that homosexual relationships were wrong. So basically, this is, I, I think it's kind of a dig on, on uh, Paul's writings as well, right? But this is absolutely not true. Matthew 5, 17. Until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter of stroke will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Go to the law. Read what it says. Yeshua affirms, not he does it again in Luke, right? It would be hard, harder than heaven and earth to pass away than for one letter of the law to, to, to fall away, right? Yeshua affirms the, the Torah, and the Torah clearly speaks against homosexual relationships. The idea that Yeshua didn't preach against uh, such sin is simply not true. He does it multiple times. All right. Are we good? Yeah. Oh, one other point on the net. Now I haven't clicked the, I know there's a signers thing so you can see who signed. I wonder if any like Catholic, like what are, what's the, the domain or the, you know, the distribution of, of support. Does it, this is a very interesting point because I, you know, with, with, in Catholicism, you have the Pope who, you know, is supposed to be the mouthpiece of God and he's basically taking up at least, if he's not coming straight out and saying homosexual relationships are okay, he's certainly taking a more soft approach on it, right? Jesus loved, so we should love too. And I'm not, I agree with that. We should love too, right? We should love people. But that love does not mean just saying everybody's okay. You don't love a cancer patient by saying, oh, it's okay. You're good. Just live with that. That's not love. You try to help the person. True love means preaching the word, to the truth to people, telling people the truth. You don't, you know, if you know that there's strychnine in the water and somebody puts their cup in to drink the water, you don't just say, enjoy. No, rather you say, don't do it. There's strychnine in there. That's real love. That's true love. And so the idea that all of a sudden we're supposed to be silent about something that is sin and this goes, you know, this goes across the board as well, right? It's not just homosexual relationships or transgender, uh, you know, uh, whatever it may be. You know, adulterous relationships, you know, uh, fornication, porn addiction. These things are all things that happen, and they happen within the church, right? Within the ecclesia of God. Things that should be... Yeah, the, 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 the numbers of marriage... Breakups and so isn't it the same? Divorce, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, this is one. Is is it? I mean, isn't this isn't this interesting that that uh, you know a lot of churches today, well, divorce is just you know it's another thing that that happens in life. Now I'm not. What I'm saying is is that all of these things should be, uh, you know, should be preached against by believers because they're preached against in the Word of God. Okay. Um, yeah. Anything else on that, Rob? Nope. I'm glad in Article 11, just if we just point one more thing, we affirm our duty to speak the truth in love 
at all times. And um, again, this is a really good undergirding, uh, you know, because that's that's clearly a command from Scripture. Um, and speaking the truth in love is not easy, you know. Being interacting, being married isn't easy, right? <laughs> so it's well, it not is for like, me. My wife's perfect, so. <laughs> um, and you are perfect too. So <laughs> you guys are perfect for each other. I mean, it's hard. It's hard being a you know a model couple in the. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, 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 do we want to place bets on whether or not YouTube flags this as uh, sensitive content? I don't know. How do they do that? How do they, will they listen to it? And they have, they have robots that go through and listen for keywords. I'll bet you anything we get flagged on this, uh, on this episode. If we do get flagged, then you can find all of our episodes at any time, starting with episode one, all the way through 185 on our website, go to torresource.com, hover over radio, go down to the Rob and Caleb show. Click on that, and then you can find all of the archived Robin Caleb shows there. Um, and you can find, I think, m- most of them, if not all of them, since we started recording, which was around show 45 or so. Uh, you can find those on YouTube unless they flag them. Um, so, yeah. Okay. This has been an interesting conversation. I hope that uh, people have enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget to do several things now, okay? Uh, remember to visit all of our sponsors today, Torah Resource, obviously. Don't forget about Chava Messianic Radio, that's messianicradio.com, and then, of course, yeshuashirts.com. Uh, we love all those guys at both those places, all three of those places. So, um, And then, um, also, don't forget to give us a call, 253 uh, hang on, let me get this off here. 253-465-3205. That's 253-465-3205. And finally, send us emails, chag at torresource.com. We uh, we cater to the, the messages that come in. Until next time, uh, we hope that this conversation has done one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>